Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Uh, the reading is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 36. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Amen. Thanks very much, Kath. So, a passage that probably all of us are familiar with, and you may be wondering, well, how does that fit with the start of a new year? Well, I hope to uh, illustrate as we go through it that, in fact, there are a number of key lessons for us here uh, which are appropriate for the beginning of a year. So as we uh, look at this passage, the first thing we need to notice is that as Jesus sends the disciples across the lake on the boat, he himself goes up into the hills alone to pray. This is just after the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus has been ministering to people and spending his time caring for them. So as we find so often throughout the Gospels, we're then told that in order to replenish and restore himself and to maintain his vital relationship with his Heavenly Father, he spends these times alone in the hills by himself in prayer. This is something, as I say, that we find throughout all four Gospels. Uh, There are records of Jesus doing this. And it's good for us, perhaps, at the beginning of a year to just reflect on our own prayer life. For it is, or should be, the mainstay of our life as Christians. It is that vital connection with God upon which all we do, or seek to do, in his service, and indeed in our lives, has to depend. And I think... 
as we consider Jesus' life of prayer, it makes us realize that there are so many different ways in which we can pray. Certainly, some of the time he must have been spending would not have been involved in uh, verbal, out loud prayer or perhaps even consciously formed thoughts of prayer, but simply resting in the presence of God, seeking his power and his enabling, seeking to align his own will and thoughts and emotions with those of his Father. And so it can be for us. Many years ago, I remember somebody once saying something to me about prayer, which I found very helpful. And it was simply this. You must learn to pray as you can, and don't try to pray as you can't. There are so many different ways in which we can pray, and we all have to find what works for us, what is comfortable for us, what sustains and nourishes us because there's no point struggling with types of prayer which don't work so well for us as individuals. And as we look across the broad Christian traditions, of which there are many, we do find all sorts of varieties of prayer. And certainly for me, as I've got older, I have found that the the silent, contemplative type of prayer in God's presence has become more important. It's not something that's perhaps well represented, in non-conformist tradition, but nevertheless it is a powerful part of the whole Christian tradition of prayer. And I think many people later in life find it something that is helpful for them. But whatever type of prayer works for you, the key thing is to be disciplined about it and to go to it regularly, just as Jesus did. And the beginning of a year is perhaps, again, a good time just to review, well, how is my life of prayer at the moment? It's something, in my experience, that waxes and wanes, and uh, it is never easy. Prayer is simple, but it isn't easy. And we all need to remind ourselves of the discipline that's needed to maintain our life of prayer, just as Jesus did for The truth is we can be of little use to God unless we are regularly spending time with him, seeking to align our thoughts, our emotions, our intentions with his. So Jesus spends time in prayer. But then we come to the disciples in their perhaps slightly dangerous journey across the lake on the boat. And we're told that the boat was buffeted uh, by the wind and the waves, by the waves, because the wind was against it. And uh, I'm sure all of us here can say that in our lives we have experienced the buffeting of the wind and the waves. It's part of life. Very few of us uh, get through our lives without having a bit of buffeting, whether it's illness, uh, death of loved ones, family problems, other circumstances that uh, cause us distress and stress. Last summer, a colleague of mine, a very faithful servant of the Lord, came home from holiday to discover that uh, one of those pipes uh, that connect your cold water tap to the main supply had come off and no one had known and his house was completely wrecked by water that had been flowing for 
10 days or so uh, unheeded. So things like that um, can produce a real buffeting, can they not? And of course, there are other much more serious personal and family issues which may buffet us. So we should not be surprised when we face difficulty and adverse circumstances, as the disciples did crossing the lake. This is life, and none of us know what lies ahead of us. I dare say many here are currently experiencing buffeting of one sort or another. And as we contemplate the beginning of another year, none of us know what lies in store. All we can know for certain is what is described in the next few verses, and that is that Jesus will come to be with us. So as the disciples were in the boat and experiencing the buffeting of the elements, they see Jesus coming to them across the lake. So what we can know for certain is that Jesus will be with us in our problems. That isn't to say that he will make them all magically disappear and go away. Because very often it is in the testing that problems produce in us that growth occurs. I'm sure many of you will have experienced that in your lives. When things are easy and going all according to plan, it's easy to become complacent and to lose our dependency and trust in God. When things get difficult, then we turn to God in prayer and ask for his help, and he comes to us. So Jesus will be present with us, but he may not necessarily remove the difficult circumstances or problems from us. That is true, I'm sure, in all of our experience. The key thing is to have Jesus with us in the boat, not necessarily to be rescued from the wind and the waves. It's also interesting to note that at first they didn't recognize Jesus. They thought it was a ghost. And I think that's perhaps true in our experience too, that we don't always recognize God's hand in the things that come to our aid or the people that come to our aid. Sometimes they're not what we expect, and it's only in retrospect that we see actually God was present in that circumstance or in that person, rescuing us, helping us, being with us in the difficult place. But then we come to perhaps what is the crucial bit of this passage, and one which I'm sure you will have heard talked about in sermons before which is Peter's response of faith to seeing Jesus walking on the water. So having been frightened and the disciples calling out in fear and Jesus reassuring them, saying, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, bold Peter, who is often the one uh, to perhaps open his mouth before his head is fully engaged, says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And the Lord says, come. So Peter, we're told, got down out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. As I say, a familiar story. But the key point 
is that in obeying in faith what Jesus told him to do, Peter had to get out of the boat. Uh, Many years ago, there was a popular book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. And the whole point of it was, and perhaps the key thing for us this morning from this, is that very often, obeying in faith requires us leaving our comfort zones, whatever they may be. That if we're to progress in our Christian lives, if we're to step out in serving God and his kingdom, quite often it means leaving something that we're familiar and comfortable with and pushing into a new and unknown area that may appear to be frightening and scary, as obviously the waves on the lake would have been to Peter. And indeed, as we're probably familiar with, Peter starts to sink because he takes his eyes off Jesus and starts looking at the wind. And Jesus has to reach out his hand and save him. And that's such a parallel, really, of our own journeys of faith. And I can certainly relate to this myself very strongly. That God will open up opportunities for us or doors through which we may go. And if we're afraid to go through them, then our faith doesn't grow. But it's only as we take the initiative to move forward in accordance with what we believe he's showing us, even though it means leaving comfort behind, that's only when we start to experience God's presence and God's touch again in new ways. And even having done that, we're in some new circumstance, some new place, some new area of ministry or whatever it is, and we can take our eyes off the Lord and start to look at the wind and the waves and sink but we have to remember again to reach out to him and find his touch to rescue us and reassure us of of his continuing presence. Just a simple example of that, again, from our current experience, when Mary got to India uh, a few days ago, she found that her her, um, laptop computer wouldn't open. It required a password which didn't respond to the one she thought that she'd set. And this was a serious problem because uh, a lot of the material she got ready to deliver to the folks she's working with was not immediately accessible. She had it on a thumb drive as a backup, but without being able to use her laptop, life would have been very difficult. She had still some editing to do and so on. And uh, she sent various requests for prayer to people, including myself and and Brenda. And then um, the Lord reminded her of another password she may have possibly have set right at the very beginning when she was setting the thing up and had never used since. And she used that and fine, the problem was solved. But uh, when we were talking about it, she was saying how Obviously, we'd prayed a lot about her trip to India and the various difficulties of the journey, and all that had gone tremendously smoothly, so it was easy to be complacent and sit back and think, well, yes, you know, God has blessed me, and I'm here, and everything's fine, and then here's another problem to deal with, which uh, could have been very difficult. So it reminded her of the continual need to be trusting in God. And I'm sure many of us will have had similar experiences 
So if we want to walk on water, if we want to progress with Jesus, we have to get out of the boat. We have to be prepared to leave comfort and familiarity behind us and move forward. And that may also be true of us, perhaps in some ways, as a church in this coming year. As we respond to a growing congregation, to more young people, lots of children coming, then there may be things we need to do differently, things that we haven't done before. Michael, I'm sure, will have some plans in mind to respond to what is happening. But for some of us, that means leaving familiarity and comfort, and again, it may not be the easiest thing to do. But sometimes that is what the Lord requires. To walk on water, we have to get out of the boat. So then, of course, uh, Peter's faith is rewarded. He's rescued by the Lord who climbs into the boat and the wind and the waves die down. So we're told those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And it's important for us, isn't it, when we see God doing something, as we have seen here in the last few months with more and more younger people coming, it's important that we respond with worship. Whenever we see God's hand at work in our lives or the lives of others or in the circumstances around us, it should be an occasion to worship, to acknowledge our dependence on God, our thankfulness and our gratitude for what he is doing amongst us. And it's great that even this morning as we begin a new year, we've been able to worship and give thanks to God for various things that have been happening amongst us. It's always a healthy attitude, one of worship and praise and thanksgiving. And we should never just take for granted the things that God does and the blessings that he gives us. So as the disciples did, we too need to respond in worship when we see him at work around us. And then the final bit of this passage is interesting. When they crossed over and landed at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, verse uh, 36, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Again, there are many similar passages in the New Testament referring to Jesus' ministry. So having spent the time restoring himself by praying by himself in the hills, walking across the lake, reassuring and calming down the disciples, calming the storm, being with them in the boat, he no sooner gets to the other side than immediately again he's involved in ministry and people are coming and flocking to him, wanting to be touched and restored. And it's interesting, uh, if one looks at the word that is translated as healed or healing in the New Testament, there are three different words, but the one that is most commonly used is the Greek word that's something like sozo, and it actually means to be made whole. Uh, It's more frequently used to talk about salvation and restoration in that sense, 
rather than just physical healing. And it's perhaps equivalent a bit to the Hebrew word shalom that we may be familiar with. So it means, means to be made whole, to be restored. And I think that's important because when we think about healing, it's about so much more than just something physical. Now we often pray, rightly, for people to be physically healed. And that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, of course. And many times God does touch people in response to prayer. But we aren't always physically healed, of course. And uh, our, the reality of our experience is that sometimes prayers for physical healing do not appear to be answered. But I think the way to understand that, and, and the Greek word being made whole is a key to this, is that actually God's will for us ultimately is that we are whole people, whole in the sense of restored people spiritually, that we are, our spirits, our souls, our inner beings, uh, our true identity is made more and more whole, made to be more and more like Jesus, uh, made to be more in the image of God as he wants us to be. So the purposes of God in our lives sometimes involve experiencing illness uh, as part of that being made whole, because in illness we have to depend on God and pray and trust him, not knowing whether or not we may be physically cured, but knowing that actually through the process he is restoring us. Because, of course, the reality is eventually our physical lives end. And what is important then is how made whole we are in terms of our inner spirits and inner beings, that part of us that continue into eternity while our physical body dies and decays. So it, that is the kind of touch, ultimately, we all want from Jesus. Yes, sometimes he may bless us with physical healing, but what is important is the degree of inner healing, if you want to call it that, that is going on whilst we progress through whatever circumstances he puts in our path. So the touch of Jesus is about making us whole, which may or may not involve physical healing. Many of us will have been privileged to see sometimes perhaps miraculous examples of physical healing. But again, the people who were involved in that still ultimately have to die. That faces all of us. And God is more interested in the end, in our, in our spirits, the inner healing that he brings to make us more like himself than he is in our physical beings. So as we move into a new year, <clears throat> not knowing what lies ahead of us, Let's just again quickly review what we can learn from this passage. We need to spend time in prayer. That's the foundation and basis of our lives as his people. Just as Jesus did, so must we do. Spending that time with the Father, seeking his presence, seeking to align our wills and our intentions with his. 
We must anticipate that we will be buffeted by the wind and the waves. Life is difficult, things go wrong, and we shouldn't be surprised when that happens. And it's always good to remember that none of us can see the future. But we know that Jesus will come to be with us. In the boat of our lives, whatever we face, Jesus can be there with us, if only we can acknowledge him. And sometimes the way of his coming is one that we may not immediately recognize. But we need to remember his promise that he will be with us. Then our response of faith may require that we have to get out of whatever boat we're in. We have to leave behind the comfort and familiarity and push forward into new and unknown circumstances. That sometimes is the only way of growth. Then we should take care to worship the Lord for the blessings and the good things that we see happening in us and around us. And finally, we need to recognize that he will come to us with his healing touch, but that is ultimately about our growth in spirit rather than our physical health. So let's spend a moment in prayer. Father, we thank you that as we begin another year, we can trust in you with certainty and confidence, that we can look to you knowing that you hold the future, that your desire for us is to grow closer to you, that we may be better able to share your love with the world and with all those in need around us. So we pray that you'll help us to draw close to you, to trust in you, to step out in faith, to recognize your work in our lives and the lives of others, and to experience your healing and restoring touch in our lives. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.